This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 54 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Today, we're going to talk about if you are an effective leader. We're going to explore Leadership 101 and talk about different activities that you may run as a leader, and hopefully I will be able to offer some insight and tips and things that you may not have thought about to make you an even better leader. So what is a leader? A leader is somebody who has the ability to organize and guide people in the right direction to accomplish a specific goal. A leader is also someone who is respected by their peers, and there's a fine line between being a good leader and being a dictator. If you are constantly delegating and barking orders at your group and not willing to do those particular activities on your own, that doesn't make you a good leader, nor will the people that you're trying to lead want to be your followers. A good leader is a servant leader. And what that means is someone who's willing to get their hands dirty and do the work right alongside the people that they're trying to lead. So we learn a lot about servant leadership and scouting because in Boy Scouts, you practice what's called the patrol method. You elect your leader within your patrol and a patrol is simply just a group of boys. You elect your leader and that leader serves and makes decisions with everyone's input to work together towards a common goal. The entire troop or the entire unit votes to elect a senior patrol leader. And that senior patrol leader or SPL, they lead the entire troop. In order to earn these positions and to be elected into these positions, the adult leaders offer a lot of training. And throughout this training, we teach the boys a very valuable skill and a valuable lesson in servant leadership. 
That means I'm not going to sit there and tell you to clean the tables and chairs and wipe everything down while I stand back in the corner and watch. I'm going to be doing it right along your side. I'm going to do it right with you. And that's going to build more respect and more community among the people that you're working with. Same goes for adult leadership. If an adult is willing to get in there and get the job done, they're going to be respected and more people are going to follow them and follow them as a role model. A good leader really has empathy for the people that they're leading. If you have ever done an event, whether it be at a local community level, or if you've gone larger to the the city, the state, or even an international event that you may have the luck of running and being a leader to make sure it goes through successfully, we will definitely talk about some examples here in a little bit. But if you ever had a role where people looked up to you for guidance and looked up to you for direction, guess what? You served as their leader in that particular moment. Whether it's being designated the room mom for your kiddo's classroom, where you were in charge of the parties and you were in charge of having everyone bring a particular item to make those parties successful, or whether you served in a role in your church community where you may have organized an event at a larger scale. Regardless of the opportunity, it's the skill set that you had that put you in that position, whether you were elected to be in that position or whether you were voluntold to do that position. Regardless, there was a reason why you did that job. People either looked up to you as a leader or you had that fire within that you knew you could run an event and you stepped up to be that leader. So let's say you are in charge of making sure an event happens successfully. Who is your audience and who are you going to reach out to to help ensure that you make this event happen? So for example, if you're running something in your school, you have a captive audience of the parents in your child's classroom that you can reach out to because everyone has something in common. You all are part of that classroom community. You all have kids in that same class. Therefore, everyone hopefully is on the same page to make whatever event that is successful. It's sometimes easier to be a leader in an organization where everyone has a common interest. So if you're a part of a church group or a community group, everyone in your circle has a similar interest, whether by location or by membership. So hopefully you'll have an easy time to recruit those volunteers and give everybody a job so everyone's work is a little bit less of a load and the event all comes together successfully. If you are in charge of running an event, for example, that might be a little bit more challenging. Now you're trying to advertise this event and try to get more people to sign up. Let's say you are a certified instructor to teach wilderness first aid. This is a certification that is offered through scouts. We encourage as many scouts to take this training as possible because these are skills that are taught when you are most of the time remote, not very close to a town. And if something happens, if you fall or break an ankle or break a leg, how are you going to get out of that location safely or get somebody else out of that location safely and into town, into the nearest medical facility for treatment. So there's some great skills that are taught in a wilderness first aid training. 
It's also a requirement to have some of the adult leadership take and be certified in wilderness first aid if they're planning to go on a high adventure trip. A lot of the Boy Scout trips that go on one to two week trips in the mountains or at the headwaters on kayaks, um, lots of different high adventure, more high strenuous trips do require some of their adult leadership to have the certification on these trips because it's very important. So let's assume that you are trained and certified as an instructor to teach wilderness first aid. So you have been called out to go somewhere a couple hours away and put on this two-day class. So let's assume a scouting unit has reached out to you and has asked you to come in and be their instructor to take everybody through this training. The first thing you need to do is look at a calendar and figure out when they need the training by and how soon that you can get there to do the training by getting as many people as involved as possible. It's always advisable to go ahead and make a site visit before the day of the event. You want to find out the facility that's being offered to you. That's the ideal situation is if you are invited to come to do a presentation to a group that they have a facility for you to teach. You always want to try to make a site visit well in advance of any training that you are being scheduled to offer. You want to make sure the facility is comfortable, it has good lighting, there's restrooms nearby, there's a source of water for a drinking fountain or hand washing, and best case scenario, there's electricity where you can plug in a coffee pot and have some kind of a kitchen set up so you can have lunch brought in or people can have a working lunch to get through your training. So you always want to make sure you take that extra step to do your site visit well in advance of your scheduled training date. You want to do your best to find a facility that's ADA compliant meaning there is a wheelchair ramp or alternative to steps if someone shows up to your class that physically can't do stairs. Most facilities that are more modern built are ADA compliant, but these are things to consider if you have a classroom that's upstairs and let's say there's not an elevator service and somebody shows up that is on crutches or they're in a leg boot or they're in a wheelchair. How are you going to get that person to the classroom? So you want to plan ahead and think about every possible scenario that might present itself and try to address these issues before a class even is scheduled to start. The next thing to consider is all of the equipment. Are you bringing everything in or is the facility going to provide a laptop, projector, speakers, or any other audiovisual items that you may need. Even if a facility is going to provide the electronics for me with the laptop and a projector, assuming that I have a PowerPoint presentation, I'm always bringing a backup just in case their equipment fails. I always bring my backup laptop, I always bring a backup projector, and I even bring up my iPad, which I have all of my presentations stored in a Google Drive. That way, if my laptop fails, I always have another backup available. Do you have the right connectors? The cables on my laptop are different than the connectors on my iPad. So I had to make sure that I have all the necessary equipment and the necessary adapters with me 
anytime I travel to give any kind of a presentation. Because if you show up and the system is down or the power is out, what is your backup plan going to be? Are you going to be standing there flat-footed saying, I don't know what to do because my whole thoughts are on my PowerPoint? Or do you have a backup plan, whether it be handwritten notes or other hands-on activities to get through that training to be an effective presenter and an effective leader because you were the one that they called out to come do that presentation? I'm very aware and very mindful of people's time. I don't like downtime. I don't like wasted time. I don't like busy work time. I like to keep on moving. As long as we're meeting all the objectives of whatever training that has been put in front of me, as long as we're moving forward and I'm not leaving anybody behind, making sure everybody is keeping up with whatever lesson I'm teaching, we keep moving. I've been to many dreadful presentations and trainings in my past where there's an agenda and If the presenter finishes 20 minutes before the agenda says it's finished, we have literally had to sit in our chairs, twiddling our thumbs, waiting till the top of the hour when it was time to take a break. I'm very respectful of people's time. I know that people may have traveled a long distance to come seek out that particular training, or I have traveled a long distance to go give that training. So being mindful of everyone's time and everyone's attitude around you is going to go a long way in your leadership skills. Recognizing that it's not all about you. It's all about the students or the public or whomever it is that you're speaking to. It's all about them and their experience in your training. So after you make your site visit and you visit with the facility manager or whoever your contact is, now you know what the facility is going to look like and you can start building your program and building your presentation around where you're going to be teaching. An ideal situation is where you already have a captive audience. There's already a group of people that are identified and have been selected to take your training. That's an easy case because you're able to reach out to them and communicate with them on what they need to bring to class and what the class is going to look like, what the agenda is going to be, and the different activities that you're going to have them present throughout the day or two that you're going to be with them. A more challenging situation is if you're offering this training to the general public and you don't have a captive audience. How are you going to market to the people so they are interested in your presentation and your program to come to you and to make it happen so you can successfully teach and train more people in this particular skill set? So throughout this entire time, you set your date, you've already made your site visit, you already have all of your backup equipment available and ready to go, your vehicle is loaded, and now you're fixing to get ready to go to your event. If it's a long drive, it might be advisable to spend the night before close by. Make your hotel reservation or stay with some family and friends who live close to the area. Again, you're always planning on backup plans. What if you get up in the morning and your car doesn't start? Your battery is dead. You have a flat tire. 
Everybody is relying upon you for the certification and training, but now you have a problem and you can't get there. What are you going to do? So it's always best to try to be really close to your facility wherever you're going to be training just in case something like that does happen. An even better situation is to always make sure that you have somebody that you're teaching with or that you're training with. You always have a person as a backup in case something does happen where you get sick or you can't go. Then your partner or your teaching partner can actually step in and do the training in your absence. So always make sure you have backup plans and don't just stop at plan B. I've actually had to go through plans C, D, E, F, G, H, and sometimes even I because things happen, life happens, whether it's personal or whether it's beyond our control like weather, things do happen and you always have to be prepared for the worst and hope for the best to get through the training and get through the day. So let's say you make your hotel reservation and you get close to where you're going to be. The next day is scheduled to be your training. In my adult professional career and surrounded by good people who have trained me well, I've always been taught that if you're anything less than an hour early, you're late. What does that mean? That means if my event is scheduled to start at 8 a.m., I am going to be there no later than 7 a.m. If I'm anything past 7 a.m., an hour before my event, I'm considered to myself late. It takes a long time to get everything set up. Ideally, I would have had shown up the night before and got the classroom set up or got everything ready, but sometimes that doesn't always happen. Even if it does happen, and even if I am completely set up the night before, I'm still going to show up an hour early to make sure the power works, the heating or air conditioning works, the coffee is turned on. Any event that I do, that I offer, that I'm in charge of, Coffee is number one. I got to make my coffee drinking people happy because generally they are there and they're rising up with the chickens just like me. They're looking for that cup of hot coffee to greet them as they walk through the door. When I'm in charge of an event or when I'm in charge of a type of training, I want the first person who walks through that door to come into a classroom or an area that's already set up. I don't like to be scrambling around and setting up projectors and computers and trying to lay out the classroom packets or whatever it is that I'm teaching with. I want it to be up and ready and set up because it looks like I am prepared. When that student walks in, the first impression is what they give you. And you never get a second chance at making that first impression. So make it a good one. Plus, having everything set up an hour early gives me time to visit and get to know my students a little bit before the class actually starts. It's a great time to discuss, to ask, answer questions, to ask questions, and to have a little bit of an ice-breaking activity, drinking coffee and having donuts with my peers. And that way, when the class gets rolling, we already seem to have known each other. That makes the learning environment much more comfortable, less stressful, and fun. Everything we do stresses around fun. I pride myself in teaching and leading and instructing. Everything I do, I pride myself around having fun while I'm doing it. 
So now that everybody has arrived to class and we've had our icebreakers and we're drinking coffee and we're chit-chatting, now it's time to kick off the start of our class. A good leader and a good instructor is always going to start by telling all the students the layout of what the class is going to look like. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. You're going to lay out the schedule of events. You're going to set up the agenda. You're going to talk through if they have any questions or details that they need to ask about. Ideally, you want to have a facility that has restrooms very close by. Ideally, you'd like to have a kitchen so they can make their snacks or warm something up in the microwave. I like to have working lunches. That way it keeps us all together as a sort of community and we can continue to share ideas and stories. And ultimately, I can keep teaching through conversations just around the lunch table. You also want to make sure that your students are comfortable where they're sitting, who they're sitting around. And the one thing that I've learned when I go around the room and have everybody give a brief introduction of who they are, where they came from, and why they came to your class, it's an ice-breaking activity, true, but it gets you to understand a little bit about their background. And depending on what their answers are and how they introduce themselves might change up the way that you teach a little bit. So being flexible and being fluid in your instruction and your teaching skills is also a great sign of a good leader, being able to change. The number one fear in America is public speaking. Once you can overcome that and get in front of a group and start talking to people, again, a sign of a good leader is to not be afraid and intimidated by getting up in front of that classroom. And that's only going to come through experience and lots of practice. I also have a sign-up sheet that goes around the classroom. I want to know their name, their email address, their cell phone, And another piece of information that I've started adding to my rosters is next person to contact in case of an emergency. What happens if one of your students passes out, if they have a blood sugar drop, or if there's some kind of an emergency and you need to contact their next person on their list? So I always add that to my signup sheet is a contact person and a phone number that you can call. Fortunately, I've never had to use it, but it never hurts to have that information available to your students. Now, what about me? What happens if I fall out or pass out or have a blood sugar drop in front of the class and people don't know who I am? I don't know who they are. So how are they going to get in touch with my next of kin? So that's another piece of information that I always have available in a readily accessible location right there up front with me is who to call in case of an emergency on my part. Another piece of information that I want to have available is the phone number and address of the closest medical facility. I've done several trainings in big cities and I've done several trainings out in the country in the middle of nowhere. I always want to go that extra step to find out if there's an emergency and I'm in charge of an event or a group of people, where am I going to take them if I have to send somebody or take somebody to the hospital or to a clinic? I always want to find out the name of the closest hospital or clinic, the address and the phone number. Another thing to consider is what happens is if you have no cell service. 
I've also been at several facilities that have very spotty cell service. What is my backup communication? Do I have backup communication? Is there a landline available on property wherever I'm at that I can get to quickly and make a phone call to call for help? These are some things that you need to consider if you're in charge of an event or a training or even making a presentation. You always want to have contact names and numbers and information in case things go sideways pretty quick. You want to make sure that you get help and you can get to help as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So once you go through the introductions and all of the details of safety, the next thing to do is to get into your presentation and have a good time while you're teaching. Again, the characteristics of being a good leader is always making sure that you're watching your students. I've been to facilities where we've done some training outdoors in the heat of summer. I've had trainings where we've been in the triple digits under no shade. So not only am I teaching, but I'm also watching the the attitude and the characteristics of my students. If they start to look feverish or if they start to profusely sweat above and beyond your typical Houston sweat, but if they're starting to look like they're about to pass out with some heat-related issues, I'm always making sure that I'm, I'm scanning my group of people that I'm in charge of. Do I have water? Do I have some kind of a shade available if we do have to do outdoor activities? I've recently invested in canopies, in pop-up canopies, where we set up, when I'm doing any kind of outdoor training and teaching, I set up those canopies to give some kind of shelter. Yes, it still might be triple digits of heat, but at least we have a little bit of shade to take that intense sunlight off of our heads. I'm always having water, always bring water, always have available water in case you are doing some training and somebody gets really thirsty. I'm always pushing, drink your water, drink your water, because you may not be thirsty. Once you get thirsty, it's oftentimes too late. I also make sure I have a box of snacks with me just in case anybody starts to feel ill or if their blood sugar drops, they can have a quick burst of energy with a nature bar or a granola bar or something quick to get their blood sugar back up. So this comes from many years of experience, many incidents that have come close to happening, or even conversations that I've had with my students over the years and learning things that they've done to stay safe and healthy while attending courses and doing outdoor activities. I've used these nuggets of information and built them into my training to make it the best enjoyable experience that any student can have when coming through my classes. Another very important step to being a good leader is having an emergency procedure plan in place and knowing what to do if something happens on your watch. If an emergency does happen, the first and most important step is to take charge of the situation. You want to make sure to identify whatever emergency just happened. Was it a major emergency or is it a minor emergency? If you can treat it uh, locally, if somebody cut their finger, you know, can you take care of that right there on the spot? Or is it a major emergency where you actually have to call for help? This also goes to the importance of also having a first aid kit with you at all times. 
Anytime you're in a classroom or out in the field doing field work or field exercises, you always want to make sure that you have some type of a first aid kit with you at all times. That way, if it's a minor injury, you can quickly get Band-Aids or wraps or Neosporin or whatever you might need really quickly right there on the spot. So a major emergency. If there's something going on, you need to take charge of that situation and you need to start delegating helpers if necessary. Instead of everybody walking in circles, assuming the next person is going to call 911, you, the leader, you, the instructor, you, the one in charge of the situation, need to start pointing to people and giving them a direct job. Another very important piece of information that you need to know is wherever you're teaching, you need to know the physical address of that location and the 911 address. Hopefully it's one and the same, but make sure you have the correct address of where you're going to be and the name of the facility. That way, when you're directing someone to call 911, the first thing that the 911 operator is going to ask you after they get some information is where are you located? That way, there's no hesitation whatsoever to rattle off the name and address of your physical location. In the meantime, you need to render aid, but the important words here, render aid within the scope of your training. Don't be jabbing pens in somebody's throat to do a tracheotomy if their airway is obstructed. Only do what you are trained and know how to do. If you've taken a first aid class, a CPR class, you know, go ahead and use those skills that you've learned or ask if anybody, if there's a doctor in the house or is somebody trained to take care of whatever situation just happened. You don't want to start cutting on people and applying tourniquets and actually causing more damage down the long run than if you just rendered aid within the scope of your own training. Before you jump in and start immediately rendering aid, it's really important that you take a step back and look around to see if there was an outside force that caused that person to go down. Did they step into a hornet's nest and maybe they're allergic to the sting? Is there a hot wire somewhere that they came into contact with that they became electrocuted? So before you jump into that situation and possibly go down yourself, just take that extra moment to take a pause and to look around your surroundings to see if there's anything external that might have happened that put this person down on the ground. If everything looks good and you go in to help that person, have somebody else delegated to take notes take the timestamp. What happened? What were the conditions? Who are the witnesses? Did anybody see anything? So have somebody be a note taker because these are the questions that are going to be asked when you're talking to the 911 operator or possibly a police report or anything down the way. You want to make sure that you have the most accurate and current description of what's going on. So these are things that we hope never happens when we're in charge of a group, an event, or training. But we have to be real and understand that if they do, what are you going to do as the leader, as the lead trainer, and as the person in charge? Are you prepared to handle a situation, an emergency, some kind of a natural disaster that's happening on your watch? Are you prepared to handle that moving forward to get everybody safely through your training? Have an event checklist. Make a checklist for what goes on before your event, 
what goes on during your event, and what are some of the protocol that you take if an emergency does happen. It's also important to have a checklist of things after your event and wrapping everything up. One of the areas that a lot of people overlook is the follow-up after an event ends. A good leader makes sure that they continue with the event all the way through the completion and even beyond in the follow-up. You want to take that extra step and take the extra time to keep in touch with the people who took the time to come to your training. They sought you out for whatever reason, and they look to you as the leader for whatever skill set that they're trying to learn. It's important that you take that responsibility and finish up after the coursework or after the training that you've done, finish up and make that extra step to reach out to them when everything is over with. Let them know that you're available if they have any questions that they think about on their drive home or next week or even next month. Make yourself available to those students that you just worked with and be there for them in case they have any last minute questions. A good leader takes the time to take lots of time to make sure that everything is in order and organized so it runs as smoothly and efficiently as possible. There's been times where I've been asked to run an event and some of the participants I may know and some I may not. So I take different approaches based on my audience. In the example of a couple of the folks that I actually knew, I may have had them in previous classes, um, I may have had some challenging experiences. There's, there's times that you have students that absolutely nothing you can do is going to make them happy. No matter how much fun you make the material presented, no matter how many hands-on opportunities that you provide no matter how awesome all the other students were all around that particular student, nothing is going to make them happy. So I've had a student that signed up for several of my trainings um, through the scouting world, and it just wasn't a good fit. So in those particular cases, instead of me stressing out about that one student when I have 29 others that I need to get through some training, I may make a suggestion that that one individual is enrolled in another course that I'm going to help put together for them. So again, it's knowing your audience, knowing the experiences that you've had, and trying to avoid future stress because as a leader, you need to take everything in and you need to be able to handle all the situations and what comes your way. So I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I am discouraged by somebody that's just not having a good time because they're looking at every single way to not have a good time. That's not my class. I love teaching and I love being a leader. And the people that come to my classes, we have fun. So if you don't like to have fun, if you don't like to have a good time in learning new skills, then you're probably not going to have fun in my classes because we just do our best to have everybody a good time and to be on the same level and to work together as a group. I've had those students in there that think they know everything and they're know-it-alls, but by the end of the day, it's very rewarding to have one of those individuals approach me at the end of the day saying, you know, 
I didn't think I'd have a good time in this class. I'm here because I have to be here. I'm going on this particular camp out and I need the certification. But you know, I never thought about it that way. Or I've never considered having that particular experience. I actually learned something. I learned something that I'm going to pass on to my group or to my kids or whatever it might be. So that's a pretty cool story and a pretty cool reward when one of your students that has a chip on their shoulder actually comes to show you that they had a really good time. So a good leader always is going to put themselves in the shoes of their students. Remember what it felt like when you were a student at one time learning whatever skill it is that you're teaching now or that you're putting together and organizing now. Remember what it felt like on the other side. Don't ever lose sight of the connection that you have when you were a student looking up to whomever taught you and now that you're standing in front of the classroom or you're standing on the stage with the microphone or whatever your role is in leadership, remember how you got there. Remember that it takes a lot of practice, a lot of experiences, a lot of successes and failures to make your role as a leader even stronger and even better. Because ultimately, you want to be that servant leader that works right alongside everybody that you're leading, doing the same job they're doing, all working together for that common goal, whether it's a training, whether it's some kind of an education, or whether it's organizing a fish fry on a Catholic Friday night. Whatever it is, you want to make sure that you're the best leader that you can be by keeping in mind those who are trying to follow you. There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.